We're in John chapter 5. We're looking at encounters with Jesus in John's gospel. And we're spending some time in the fifth chapter because a lame man was healed at the pool of Bethesda. That was the encounter. And that's a wonderful picture of what happens to us when uh, we spiritually are healed by Jesus Christ, believing in him. But then there is more in this chapter on the repercussions of that miracle because the religious authority hated the fact that Jesus did it on the Sabbath and that Jesus was claiming that he was God, the Son of God. And as a result, and we're not looking at everything that Jesus says here, Jesus makes some big statements. And we know that they are big because he says most assuredly, which I'm not keen on uh, the New King James's translation, it's amen, amen, truly, truly. And we looked at one of those last Sunday morning, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. A wonderful statement. And now we're going to look at the next big statement, which you don't have to go far. Verse 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And then down in verse 28, do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. So we're going to hear the same thing this morning that we heard last Sunday morning. And if you're thinking, Pastor, aren't you being repetitive? My answer is quite simple. In the same sermon Jesus was preaching to these people in John 5, he purposefully repeats himself about death and life. So if the Lord Jesus is doing that, who are we not to? Do, do you understand? This must be important if he is repeating it. It's not something of an academic interest. Now, what do we mean by an academic interest? Well, I studied geography for my degree. It was an academic subject. I still have an academic interest in geography. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you catch me off guard, you will get me talking very excitedly about soils and podzilization. I've got an academic interest in the subject of geography. But I can't say that soils and podzilization is a truly, truly big issue subject. But what we're dealing with this morning is. So whoever you are, I don't know all of you here, what I can say to you is this is vital that we know what comes after death, and where we are going. It's not academic. 
It's not just something to discuss. It's something vital. I want to talk about three days uh, in the talk uh, this morning. And the first point is the day of death. Every one of us, this is why it's not academic, will one day have to die. And it can come sooner rather than later. Now, I'm going to show my age here. I uh, was a teenager in the 1980s. So I grew up listening to Steve Wright in the afternoon. I, I don't know how many of you here had that experience. And it was a huge shock hearing about Steve Wright's death the other week. Last Sunday morning, he was presenting a Valentine's Day Sunday love songs. And he said at the end, We'll see you next Sunday. Ta-ta for now. This Sunday, he's not presenting it. Because Monday, they found him dead. He was 69. One day, I will have to die. You will have to die. And we've, we've had a number of deaths recently, haven't we? Uh, there was a committal announced this morning. And so it's not academic to talk about the day of our death. Uh, let, me, let me say this as well. It's not being morbid, right? <laughs> uh, it's morbid if you're preoccupied with death. That, that's not what we're talking about here. We're just talking about being real. Um, I don't know who said the two realities in life are death and taxes. Uh, I don't know about taxes, but death is the reality. And those of us who are believers know that there's another reality as well, the second coming of Jesus Christ. We can't be certain of anything else, but we do know that one day we will have to die, and we don't know when that may happen. It may, may be many years from now, it may be tomorrow, but it's surely the wisest thing in the world to be ready for death. So do you think about death? Not in a morbid way, but as something that's going to happen. Are you prepared for it? Uh, when you go on a journey, uh, if you're uh, going on a holiday, you spend a few days packing, don't you? You prepare yourself for it. You make sure that you've got travel insurance. And it's right, surely, to ask the question, are we ready to die? Are we ready to die? Uh, let me just give you some verses. There was a, an old king who was wise when he was younger, King Solomon, and this is what he said in Ecclesiastes, God has put eternity into our hearts. Eternity. Why am I quoting that? I'm quoting it for this reason. What comes after death? Death isn't the end. Death is separation. At death, our bodies, the physical parts of us, are separated from our souls, the spirit parts. The body goes back to the ground. The soul doesn't. The soul goes on into what we call eternity. What's eternity? Eternity is forever. So if a person lives to be 100 years old, that's a drop in the ocean of eternity. 
So whoever you are this morning, I know this. You've got a sense of eternity in your hearts. And you may deny it. You may argue vociferously. Death is the end. There is nothing after death. But you've still got eternity within your hearts. One of the most popular songs in funerals these days is Queen. Who wants to live forever? And you may have that sentiment. But you know in your heart of hearts that you are going to live forever. And this is why this is the most important subject of all. Uh, there was a poet who uh, got it much better than Queen. He put it like this. Life is real. I think it's Longfellow. Is it Longfellow? Life is real. Life is earnest. And the grave is not our goal. Dust thou art to dust returnest was never written of the soul. That, that's why this is not an academic subject. So there's an eternity ahead of us. And this is the scary thing. There are two options when it comes to forever. Two options. Let me quote another hymn. There is an hour when I must look at one vast eternity. And here are the options. Nameless woe. We call that hell. Or endless bliss. We call that heaven. My endless portion be. And this is not my theory. I'm going to quote Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus talked about a man. He was very rich. He was very popular. And when he died, there was a huge funeral. And people were probably giving tributes and speaking uh, very kind words about him. But that man found himself in hell. That's what Jesus says. And then Jesus referred to another man. Not a well-known, well, he was a well-known man, but uh, he was well-known for the wrong reasons. He was a terrorist. And he was condemned to death. He was on the cross next to Jesus. And at the 11th hour, he was converted. And you know what Jesus said to him today? You shall be with me in paradise. So there's eternal hell, eternal heaven. That's what Jesus says. It's not what I'm saying because it's a view I've got. It's the words of Jesus Christ. Let me quote uh, Hebrews chapter 9. Man, that means humanity, has got an appointment. You've got an appointment. Do you know that? And you can't get away from this appointment. Uh, those of us who are men, we don't like having appointments, do we? We don't like having a GP's appointment. We try to shirk it or a dental appointment. My mother is still trying to get me to see the dentist. And I'm afraid of dentists. So we try to avoid an appointment. But God says, you have an appointment that you can't avoid. We're appointed once to die. And after that, the judgments. Are you ready? Uh, there was a chap who lived a few centuries ago called Howell Harris. Many of you will have heard of him, a great evangelist. And do you know what happened to him? It was around this time of year. It was Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter. And in Talgarth, uh, it's a tourist uh, location now up in the Black Mountains, 
he was attending church, the parish church, on Palm Sunday, and an announcement was given. So like Livon giving the notices this morning, an announcement was given that there was going to be communion the following Sunday, Easter Sunday. And sometimes you have the person doing the announcements preaching, and this is what happened here. The man giving the announcement said, uh, some of you don't come to communion because you don't think you're fit to take it. And then he goes on to say, if you're not fit to take communion, you're not fit to pray. And if you're not fit to pray, you are not fit to live. And if you're not fit to live, you are not fit to die. And those words pricked Howell Harris's conscience and he was convicted of sin. Is there somebody here whose conscience is being pricked this morning? So the day of death, it's a day that we're all facing. But let me talk to you about another day that is mentioned here. The day of judgment. Man is appointed once to die, and after that the judgment. Jesus Christ talks about judgment here. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. So there's an hour coming when there's going to be a day of judgment. So when a person dies, their body is in the grave. It doesn't matter if the body's cremated or buried. The, the body is gone, right? But the soul has gone into eternity. And it'll be eternal hell or eternal heaven. But that's not the end of it. Because there's another day coming. It hasn't happened yet. And it's called judgment day. It's got nothing to do with rugby. It's real judgment day. And you know what will happen at Judgment Day? At Judgment Day, Jesus Christ, who came into this world in obscurity, relative obscurity, 2,000 years ago, and he came as a saviour then. He came to deliver people from eternal death and to save them to eternal heaven. But on the Day of Judgment, he's not going to come as a saviour. He's going to come back as the judge. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to call the dead. Now, we had a rehearsal of that in John chapter 11. I started the service reading from John 11 because Jesus is the Son of God. So he explains here, we haven't got time to go into the detail, that the Son has life in himself. Uh, verse 21. Jesus is the source of life. We aren't the source of life. We receive life from God. Uh, the great Augustine, uh, the great theologian, he used this illustration. If a person goes out at night in the dark with a candle, and the candle goes out, they're left in the dark. Because they're dependent on the lights of the candle. But God isn't like that. God is light. And it's like that with the life of Jesus. God is life. To all life thou givest. And Jesus Christ, when he will come back, he will speak. The trumpet will sound, and Jesus will speak. And do you know what he will say? He will say to the dead, come forth. And there was a rehearsal of that in John 11, when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. So here's the source of life, saying, Lazarus, come forth. Do you know, if Jesus hadn't said Lazarus come forth, all the dead at that time would have come out of their graves. Because Jesus is life. But on the day of judgment, the dead shall rise. The dead shall rise. 
So we will have bodies again. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, you'll have bodies again. There is a resurrection. And this is the frightening thing. If you're a believer, if Jesus has saved you, you will have glorified, resurrected bodies, like the resurrected body that Jesus had. A body that's fitted for heaven. A body uh, that can go through doors. A body uh, that uh, can have uh, communion with God. Imagine having a body that doesn't have aches and pains. A body that doesn't get tired. We get tired in a service, don't we? That's why, don't worry, I'm not going to preach for a very long time. But imagine having a resurrected body. A body that doesn't get ill. A body uh, that uh, is fit for eternal communion with God. So you will have a body like that if you're saved. And resurrection isn't God putting our bodies back together again. (laughs) That's why it's okay to be cremated. (laughs) Resurrection is a new body. A new body. I'm amazed at Christian funeral services uh, when we are committing those who at the end struggled with all sorts of ailments, that one day they're going to have a body that's no longer going to be like that. It's worth looking forward to heaven just for that, isn't it? If you're struggling with chronic pain, one day you'll have a body that won't feel pain anymore. Praise God. But if you're an unbeliever, if Christ hasn't saved you, you will have new bodies, but those bodies will be fit for hell. Those bodies will be bodies that have been abused during your life on earth, bodies that have been used to commit sin, respectable as well as all out sins, and those bodies that unbelievers will have at the resurrection will be bodies fit for hell. You don't want a body like that, my friend. Don't you? Want a glorious resurrected body. Now, what's going to happen on the day of judgment? Jesus is going to come back. Jesus is going to call the dead. And they're all going to stand before him. What a day that will be. What's the largest cemetery in Cardiff? Is it Thornhill? It's Thornhill, isn't it? One of the largest cemeteries in Wales is the one in Newport. We've buried some people there over the years. Imagine those cemeteries coming back to life. A vast crowd. We read about it in the book of Revelation. Uh, There will be a great white throne and him, Jesus, who will be seated on it. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And it doesn't matter who you are. You may be famous like Steve Wright. Or you may be a nobody. And we'll all be standing before the judge. And the books will be opened. This is what is frightening. There'll be two books. And it all depends which book your name is in. That there'll be the book of the dead. The book that's got in it a record of every sin you've committed. I find it very challenging, Andy, that illustration about the screen in front of your uh, face. And the screen showing every thought that you have. Not you, Andy, in particular, but all of us. But imagine every uh, wrong word spoken. Every thought written in this book 
of judgments. Um, I, I'm living on borrowed time at the moment because I was caught speeding uh, two, a year and a half ago. So I've got two years where I mustn't be caught again because I did the speed awareness course. So there was no points on my license. But if I get caught, that's why I'm really driving 20 miles an hour everywhere now because you don't know, do you, <laughs> when you're going to get caught. Uh, so within that two-year period, if I don't get caught speeding, I'm all right. My license won't have a point uh, on it. But my friend, there's a book. There's a book in heaven that's got your penalty points written on it. And it's not two years, it's a lifetime. And who may abide the day of his coming? If your sins are still written in that book, you're going to face the judge on that day and he's going to say to you, depart from me. That's what Jesus Christ, it's not easy preaching on this. Isn't the Lord emphasizing this to us at the moment? Nathan preached on the wedding uh, garments last Sunday. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil, it's all on record to the resurrection of condemnation. So there's the book of judgment, but this is the good news. There's another book, isn't there? There's the book of life. Uh, then another book was opened, that account in Revelation 20, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books. And if your name's in the book of life, do you know what's happened? Your record has been blotted out from the book of judgment. You haven't done that. Jesus did it. Because when he came 2,000 years ago as the Savior, he came to be our substitute. You can't do that when it comes uh, to uh, driving offenses, can you? You can't put another person in the place of you. People have been put into prison. For doing that but this is the gospel of Jesus Christ he came to stand for us and when he died on the cross he took the penalty points hallelujah he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him so the writing that is against us is blotted out by the blood of Christ. The blood signifies the sacrificial death in our place. And then, and this is the wonderful thing, your name is written in the book of life. And when God writes your name in that book, it will never be deleted. We've got indelible ink in the safe. It's used for weddings, for signing the register. There's an indelible ink that is used in writing your name in the book of life. The day of judgments. Where is your name? Where is your name? You may say to me, Pastor, my name is in the church directory. Well, it's good to have it there, but that's not important. You can have your name in the church directory and it's still not in the Lamb's book of life. Where's your name? Is it still in the book of judgment or has it been blotted out of that and is it in the book of life? Now, one last day I want to mention today. 
the day of death, the day of judgment, today. Do you know what I'm calling today? The day of destiny. Because your destiny isn't decided on the day of judgment. It's decided today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Listen to Jesus here. He speaks in the present tense in verse 25. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. He's talking there not just about those who will die one day, as all of us will, and then will hear his voice when he comes again. Those who are spiritually dead will hear his voice. Have you heard the voice of Jesus softly pleading with your hearts? And Campbell Morgan, who was before Lloyd-Jones in Westminster Chapel, he was preaching about being born again, and he said in the sermon, a lot of Christians, they are saved, but they can't point to when they were born again. And somebody was really offended by that, and they went to see him afterwards, and they said, Campbell Morgan, how can you say that? I know exactly when I was born again. And Campbell Morgan asked him, do you remember when you were born? And this man shook his head and said, of course not. I don't remember when I was born. But... How do you know that you're born? He said, well, I'm alive. I'm talking to you. I'm breathing. I'm walking. And Campbell Morgan said, that's right. You, you may not know when you were born again. Some people may not know exactly when they were saved. But you know if you're alive, don't you? Like I was telling the children. You know if you're trusting in Jesus Christ. That's how you know that your name is in the book of life. You can't make yourself born again, but you're commanded to believe in Jesus Christ. Let, let me mention Harris again, and then I'll come to a conclusion because we got communion. It was weeks later that Harris, after being convicted of sin, it was communion again. Isn't it interesting? Communion on Whit Sunday, uh, Whitson. And Harris says, this is a real encouragement for us as we come to the Lord's table. At the table, Christ, bleeding on the cross, was kept before my eyes constantly. And strength was given me to believe that I was receiving pardon on account of that blood. I lost my burden. I went home leaping for joy. And I said to my neighbor, who was sad, why are you so sad? I know my sins are forgiven. Blessed day. How simple. Jesus came 2,000 years ago, not as a judge, but as a savior. He came to do what we couldn't do, and especially to die on that cross, what Harris saw spiritually at communion. He had an encounter with Jesus, and he cast his sins on him. That's how you know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Do you believe? I started this service reading the words of Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe? Do you believe? And what a prospect. If I'm a believer, today is the day of destiny. And... I don't know how long I've got left in this 
life short, uncertain pilgrimage, but I know that when my time is up, I will be promoted to eternal glory. And one day, I will have a new body, and it will be a glorious, resurrected body. And I will be home, eternal home. I just want to end. Uh, I've been blessed by reading C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. If you haven't read them, read them. And if you've read them, read them again and again. And in the last one, called The Last Battle, we have uh, the Pevensey children dying, and they're, they're going to heaven. And th these are the last two paragraphs. Uh, they were in a railway accident, and Aslan, the lion, who is a picture of Christ, says there was a real railway accident, said Aslan softly. Your father and mother, and all of you, as you used to call it, in the shadow lands, this world, you're all dead. The term is over, or the semester is over. The holidays have begun. The dream is ended. This is the morning. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion, but the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories, and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning, only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. We're still on the cover. Uh, Sylvia and Marjorie and Margaret, they've begun chapter one. May every one of you know your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life because you have come to believe in Jesus Christ. And may somebody here this morning come themselves to put their trust in Jesus Christ. So like Howell Harris, you can leave this meeting and you can say to your friends and neighbours, why are you so sad? I know my sins have been taken by Jesus Christ for his name's sake.